Welcome back, listeners, to another really exciting week of If I Only Knew. Now, this week, I don't know that I've ever felt older working on this podcast than I do right now. We're joined by a very special guest, the brains behind the podcast, our very own Nicola Binks. Hello, Nicola. Hey, guys. How are we going? Nicola, we're great. And today, Nicola's here specifically because we're talking about one of the most complex, controversial issues of our time. Did that girl get her scarf back? More importantly, is it all right for millennials to hold on to hate for exes? Is it okay to have a broken heart 10 years later? And what side of the fence do you fall on? Are you pro Jake or pro Taylor? If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you're in good company because I only vaguely understand this issue as well. (laughs) But you'll understand that recently Taylor Swift re-recorded her masters after losing a court case where she wasn't given them back by the original recording studio that she worked with. And in re-recording the masters, she's released a 10-minute video which thanks to Nicola, who is a Swifty, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way, she's a Taylor Swift stan Mm -hmm. and has recently gone to a listening party for said new Taylor Swift album. But Nicola, being our researcher, put this up because it's a massive issue for millennials about heartbreak and attachment and those sorts of things. Now, Nicola, wanna, if I left anything out, Nicola, first and foremost, there's my you know introduction to the complex. You made me watch a 10-minute short video. <laughs> it was full of gaslighting, broken hearts, stalking. So, Nicola, what do we need to know about the scarf, about Tay-Tay, about everything? Yeah, so essentially the backstory to this like obviously I don't know all the details but about 10 years ago Taylor Swift dated Jake Gyllenhaal so their relationship lasted approximately three months so not a very long one but it is rumored that the majority of her red album is based on sort of the outcome of their relationships and so forth so with a little more background information um at the time, Taylor Swift was around like 1920, and Jake Gyllenhaal was about 31. Okay, so there was like a quite a big age gap, and there's like a lot of rumors as I've sort of seen throughout like various songs on the album. And one of the major ones, as we're talking about, is All Too Well. So, was it due to the age difference? Was it due to some manipulation that may have been happening? That sort of thing. So, that's kind of what that entire 10 minute video definitely recommend to go have a look. As you can tell, Fred enjoyed it so much. <laughs> um, uh, go have a listen. Um, but yeah, that's the general basis of it. And did you enjoy All Too Well? Is it, is it, a, is it a big deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. De- like the original All Too Well was mm-hmm. like super heartfelt. But when she released that 10 minute video, uh, I was just about to go on like a boat ride because I was on holidays. And then I sat <laughs> down, headphones in, tears started. So yeah. I've heard a lot about All Too Well recently. I'm 
a general listener of contemporary music. I'm not a particular Taylor Swift fan. I'm not a particular hater either. But my lord, is the re-release of Red all over TikTok? And is it all over, like, the kind of youth space this last little while? So this has been something that kind of inadvertently has come across my plate and that I've been kind of dragged into without much, like, knowledge about it. But it's been fascinating to learn a few more details because I think I pieced together that um, explanation that you just gave there, Nicola, kind of bit by bit you know I learned about this story about a, a, an old relationship then I learned a bit more about the age gap and the dynamics between the two of them then I learned about the length of the relationship and more and more I've been trying to piece together my own thoughts about this song but what really struck me I guess first and foremost is just that like it's a really powerful song like you just listening to it musically and lyrically I was really taken by it as a piece of music um but some of the context behind it sits a bit oddly with me, perhaps because of the length of that relationship and perhaps because of the some of the responses from some of the communities around this re-release of it. Is that something that you've also been grappling with or do you think it's just an outstanding song? Yeah, I definitely think that it is lyrically a really great song that has so much emotion into it. I also think that potentially the community's response in some situations hasn't, apparently Jake Gyllenhaal's gotten a few death threats over social media. Yeah, when I was at the sort of Taylor Swift um, listening party, it was at the 42 Valley Music Hall, so it was a huge venue. And so they put the song up and in that sort of intermission bit, the crowd was chanting, fuck Jake Gyllenhaal, fuck Jake Gyllenhaal for a solid three minutes. Hmm. And I was like, wow, this is a bit intense for something that happened 10 years ago. And you can kind of imagine, yeah, it was definitely quite a power move. Um, Because you can imagine she has probably made quite a profit off it, for sure. So whether it has the relevance still to her music or the relationship itself, I feel like to her personally, maybe there's not so much a link there to the relationship anymore, but maybe some meaning from it. But it's, I think, more about sort of the re-release of her music and her putting her own mark on everything. Mm, right, because that's something that stood out to me a little bit. One thing, as my limited knowledge of the Taylor Swift community tells me, is that Taylor is exceptional at building a relationship with her fans and that bringing them into her circle and into her space right there. They're, they're the Swifties and she's very personable with them and that kind of thing. And as I understand it, she's an outstanding marketer, an outstanding person at drawing on this kind of um, community and emotional attachment she has with her fans. Um, and to me, it felt a little bit cynical to be re-releasing this 10-year-old song about breakups and exes that seemed to be um, chock full of nostalgia and chock full of perhaps on a more insidious side the permission to her fans for also feeling this hatred perhaps for other people in their lives that have hurt them but as an outsider it didn't seem like some of that hatred was necessarily warranted am I being too sceptical about perhaps Taylor's motives for this kind of thing? Yeah so I think there's definitely a lot of truth to sort of your perspective. Like, I don't think that fans should be going and sending death threats or um, sort of going out the, of their way to sort of take on a lot of these emotions themselves. But there's also, like, some truth to the matter. I think Taylor Swift never confirmed that this song was about Jake Gyllenhaal mm. or who it was about. I think, in a way, it's sort of her version of the events. It's her story. Mm. And I think anyone is allowed to tell their story in whatever sense. You can't really control sort of 
anyone's reaction or response to some extent, I think. Um, and then even going into the research side of things, it's um, the way men versus women respond to relationship breakups is totally different. So women are more likely to engage in active coping strategies like seeking emotional support um, and so forth. So maybe this is in a way Taylor's coping mechanism with such breakup maybe not so much relevant sort of now 10 years later and I mm. think maybe that wasn't the purpose but at the time when All Too Well did come out the writing of the song maybe was a form of coping whereas men are more likely to one not really be able to identify why a relationship has broken down but also participate in like distraction activities like excessive work or sports mm. and that's all based on sort of research which you can kind of see reflected here. Mm. I think what's interesting for me is I think Matt is just not in touch with his inner Swifty, in my opinion, <laughs> Nick one. Because what I saw when I looked at the video was I think the actress that played potentially the role of Taylor looked younger than 20. She looked about 18. And the actor, it's 100% Jake Gyllenhaal, even though that's that actor isn't Jake Gyllenhaal. But it, it was this seminal moment in, in sort of a relationship development where it was the younger girl with the older guy. And I, I do think there was a lot of emotional manipulation in there, a lot of, uh, you know, denial of reality. And I think that it would be very unusual not to still feel something about that 10 years later. I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal has a lot to worry about from... Uh, Swifties. I'm sad to hear that people are sending him death threats. I know that the great Dion Warwick did tweet that he should give the scarf back and that she would pay. You don't know who Dion Warwick is, Matt, but she's a music legend. She's old enough to be my grandmother's mother. But uh, And I think UPS has offered a free shipping of the scarf. And the, the video suggests that not only did he keep the scarf and not return it because it smelled like her and reminded him of the good times, which were 12 weeks apparently, mm -hmm. but 10 years later, he's still wearing the scarf, you see. Mm. So I think when you look at um, that formative part of your development and as a psychologist, if we look at attachment styles, there's definitely something going on. Nicola, I, I know you would have picked up in the song that there's a line about how he kind of seduced her father with self-effacing humour. So it's almost like the older man, you know, a bit of a daddy issue going on there, uh, you know, insecure attachment styles. Do you think that this is Taylor recognising not 10 years later that she's bitter about the relationship but recognising why it hurt her at the time and acknowledging that, this is a bit of a relationship pattern for her. Yeah, I think there is definitely sort of a lot of a, of a reflection aspect, in particular, maybe more of awareness around sort of the power dynamics that it was. Yeah. I know she deliberately chose to have Sadie Sink, who is the girl in the music video. She is 19 and she chose Dylan O'Brien because he was 30. So it, it was like a kind of an accurate representation of that age gap, which you know, I think was a definitely a contributor to that power dynamic that they probably had. And that was, if you watch the video, you can kind of see that at that dinner table, there is that little bit of a different power dynamic. And I suppose that relates back to the sort of relationships that younger people gravitate towards when they're still sort of finding themselves and finding their identity, or maybe have had not so great past relationships as well. 
Now, we talk about Taylor's capacity to engage with her fans, so much so that they're really mobilised around this issue. But Taylor's had some other high-profile relationships, some of them with older men. Are the fans kind of... Is there any backlash on the other guys around this? I think in particular with each album that comes out, you can kind of see sort of which heartbreak it relates to. Fans are quite sort of interested to see that how the 1989 album is going to come out because that was when she was going out with Harry Styles. And that's when they both of them wrote songs about each other. Good songs or nasty songs? Oh, I quite like them. It was Style by Taylor Swift and Perfect by Harry Styles or One Direction at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, I, sorry, I realised that Matt's a One Direction stan. I, sorry, that was a silly question, <laughs> given what you people know. But, but you look at John Mayer and you look at Tom Hiddleston, I mean, again, it's the older man, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not too sure, like, what their ages are, but, yeah, there's definitely, I would say, something to do with power dynamics with the men that she potentially gravitates towards. But I also know that she's in, like, a relationship at the moment with this guy, and he's really amazing. She's written quite a number of songs, and I think the Lover album has come out of it, as well as some of the newer ones as well. So you can almost see maybe a change in writing style as well. Are we suggesting that Taylor needs to have these relationships to fuel creativity? I think it definitely adds value to the albums. But like any music artist, they write about their experiences. So relationships are a huge part of your life. So, of course, they're probably going to write about it. And I know Taylor's definitely not the only artist out there who is writing about breakups and relationships um, and whatnot. It feels like a little bit of a a trap to fall into, I think, with Taylor's music to say her lyrics and her albums are all just like revolving around the breakup she has. I feel like that kind of simplifies it a little bit. I also wonder just how much uh, part of that is a bit more the cynical side of me wonders how much of that is around her connections with with her fans and building that narrative that fans enjoy participating in as well it's it's like this album is about this breakup and that album's about this one and there's all this drama and all this connection and all this community that grows out of that so part of me wonders just how much of those experiences and that music is something that's really tangibly built by taylor to support that kind of um community that she's trying to grow um, I think to some extent, yes, but also if you take a look at a lot of her more later albums, it does do a lot of experiences of other people. So if you look at the Folklore album, it's literally a number of songs about people who have come forward with stories about particular things. So that really shows up that one, she sort of knows her art form and two, is able to sort of translate experiences, not just her own, but like other people. Yeah. There is no doubt for me that a song about feeling hurt um, and a breakup song, which is uh, what we're talking about, is very resonant with a lot of fans, young girls. It is a seminal part of life. It's almost a, a milestone. And it's a well-written song in that she incorporates her emotion. I found it, and it's because of my age, I found it a really juvenile issue. Um, the dropping your hand as you walk into a party is more about, well, you know what, I want a partner that can hold their own. But she was mortified. She felt it as a rejection, as a a whatever. But I get that. I get that if I was 17, 18, 19, that would be a big issue. So I want to ask you both the question, 
do you think she's still angry about that breakup now? I'm going to start with you, Nicola. Do you think a decade later, do you think she's still hurt about that breakup now? I think probably to some extent there's still some hurt. And I also think it was potentially a career move as well. And your thoughts, Matt? I lean more towards the cynical pragmatism as well. Um, I feel like a lot of what struck me out of the 10-minute version of All Too Well was the way it resonated with a real variety of experiences for people who are her fans. Like, there's a lot here about manipulation, about power dynamics in relationships, about that kind of thing that are often a lot more intangible. I have no desire to be a Jake Gyllenhaal defender. I know very little about him and what struck me is he came across as like quite a dick in this relationship but for me he seemed to be primarily a bit of a dick rather than a monster or a horrible person or someone who really did terrible things to Taylor and so for me I suppose I hope that at this stage Taylor isn't quite so hurt about this because she can perhaps see that you know he was a dick he wasn't very nice but maybe also she's grown through that perhaps. Well, look, let's hope that yeah, she I has. That. Yeah, I, I certainly believe that if the video was accurate in her mind or her depiction, that it certainly demonstrated that he abused the power that he have, had over her emotionally insofar as there was some not-so-subtle gaslighting. But I also think you got a really good portrayal of Taylor Swift's attachment style and what it is that might be a pattern for her and I think that that's something really interesting as a psychologist to reflect on when it's put out into the world. Mm. And I also think that there is an age dynamic that did play out, not so much the gap between the two, but where they might have been in their life at the time and how they might have handled their fame differently at the time. I would have, and I don't know this to be certain, Nicola, but... I would have thought at the time Taylor Swift had a much more rising star than Jake Gyllenhaal. He knew his craft, but he's not exactly, you know, a, a box office draw. He's more a, um, at the time, probably an indie film guy and all the rest of it. The reality with for this is I think it's still a really powerful message today. Unfortunately, unlike the two of you, not my kind of music, but I respect the craft in it. And what I really like about Taylor Swift is she stands her ground on certain things. For example, the man that... Um, sexually assaulted her and she sued him for the princely sum of a dollar not because she needed the money but she wanted uh, people to know that he grabbed her butt at a meet and greet and that you're not allowed to objectify people that way so i think she's a very clever person i think she's got a very loyal fandom i'd encourage that fandom who will never listen to this by the way not to be particularly toxic and i want to end with this it was in my 20s that a relationship ended and I'm still bitter about it today, 20-something years later, because she stole 30 of my CDs as she left. I won't mention the person's name because if you say the devil's name, they'll appear, but it still brings a tear to my eye because 30 CDs at the time at 20 bucks a pop were worth more to me than that individual was. So, yes, as you get older, <laughs> you can lament on these things with reflection and a degree of horror. 
Taylor, I'm with you. I'm not exactly a Swifty. I'm Swifty adjacent today. But you go, girl. And Jake, your dog, give her a scarf back. <laughs> You're in on it, Fred. You know what's up. Fantastic. Yeah. What is it? Fuck Jake Gyllenhaal. Fuck Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Fuck Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. <laughs> And that seems to me to be the power of this particular release, is exactly the ability to get fans and people into that. Wow. Absolutely. Well, Nicola, thank you for making an on-microphone appearance. She is the brains behind the product known as If I Only Knew. She gives us pages and pages of stuff to reflect on. And uh, today she's come on board to tell us everything we needed to know about the delightful Taylor Swift. I can now say I've successfully listened to one Taylor Swift song in my life. Folks, tune in next week for If I Only Knew. There's lots coming up, lots of really interesting topics that we're talking about and lots of other great podcasts in the podcast network that we're on. So thank you all. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production, with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes, and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts of theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Better Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.